We'll probably keep this for a few weeks until this virus thing kind of blows over. Our, our uh, scripture this morning is Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and we'll be looking at verses 44 to 49. It's page 748 in the Pew Bible. 748, if you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible. 748, and it's Luke 23 verses 44 to 49. Now it was, it was now about the sixth hour, and by the way, this is my Jewish time, and so that would be noon. Jewish begins, time begins at six o'clock in the morning, so it's about 12 noon, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, which is three o'clock. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had uh, followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to these last words that our Lord spoke in his earthly ministry, may we grasp the significance of these words in our own lives and our own hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last week at this time, we were going about our normal lives. <laughs> Boy, have things changed. There's not much normal right now. Uh, and it started, what, Monday when the World Health Organization announced that uh, we're in a pandemic. That was followed by President Trump announcing travel restrictions, not just to parts of Asia, but now into Europe. And then, the big surprise the NBA announces they are suspending all games, followed by the NHL. Major League Baseball jumps in, says we're postponing until two weeks opening day. And then schools begin canceling classes. And then the real, the real strike, the real hard hit was when the NCAA announced College basketball's March Madness will be postponed. Now we know this is serious. But you know, it, it, one good thing about this whole ordeal, it is causing people to think about their own mortality and the frailty of life. And this afternoon, we're going to be reminded again of the frailty of life. I and many of us will be at the memorial service for Donna Knowles, a longtime member of our church family. And by the way, this past Tuesday was a funeral of Herb Hughes' daughter, Chrissy. And two weeks before that, the funeral of another longtime member, Craig Marion. These things remind us of the frailty of life. But you know, the good thing in all of this is that Donna and Craig and Chrissy, they were believers. They were people of faith. They were uh, servants of the Lord. They were children of God. And in that we do find our comfort. But it does raise the question. 
What is it like for a believer? What is it like for a loved one to pass through that door? And you know, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, I hope he does. I believe it's close. But if he doesn't come back soon, we are going to go through that door as well. I heard about a, a, an undertaker who always signed his correspondence the same way. Someday yours. Well, the fact is, if the Lord doesn't come back, and I believe he's coming back soon. I'm looking for the Lord's return. I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. But you never know when this time will come for us. And we're going to look this morning at the last words that Jesus speaks as he passes through that door. And I believe as we look at these words, we are going to be comforted and reassured that the Lord is going to be there with us. I believe that as we look at these words, we are never going to look at death the same way. You know, we've been looking at the last seven words that Christ spoke from the cross. His first words were, he prays for his enemies. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Then he leads another soul to salvation. The thief who repents. Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Then he makes certain that his mother is cared for. And then the sins, my sins, your sins, all the sins of the world are poured down upon him. Fellowship between him and the Father is broken. And the Lord cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then... Jesus suffers the torment and the punishment of our sin. He cries out, I'm thirsting. But the Lord comes through the other side. And with a shout of victory, he says, it is finished. And today, we now come to the last words of the Lord. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. These words give us insight into passing through that door. And as we look at these words, I believe we are going to receive comfort and reassurance. We're going to look at three things about these words that bring us comfort. We're going to look primarily at the word Father. We're going to look at the word I commit. And we're going to look at the words into your hands. So let's take a look. First of all, Jesus, when he dies, first of all, he dies in the Father's presence. Notice, the first words out of his lips are, Father. He's talking to the Father because the Father is there. He is in the Father's presence. He has always been in the Father's presence through death and through life. And we should not be surprised at that. You know, the, the word that was most commonly found on Jesus' lips was the word, Father. Go back to the very first statement, the recorded words of Jesus. The first recorded words of Jesus when he was 12 years old. Joseph and Mary were searching for him. They find him at, they find him at the temple and he says to them, I must be about my father's business. The first recorded words of Jesus. When you come to the end of his life, the last recorded words of Jesus in his earthly ministry are, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
Jesus lived his life every day in the Father's presence. First word, last word. And you know, when the word that was most common on Jesus' lips was the word Father. In fact, when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. He taught them to pray, our Father who art in heaven. In the Sermon on the Mount, about middle of the way through, he begins asking a series of questions to the people who were there. He asked them, are you worried about what you're going to eat? Are you worried about what you're going to drink? Are you worried about what you're going to wear? And then Jesus says this, your Father knows you have need of these things. You know, when you go to the store, And the shelves are empty. And you're wondering, Father, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? There's no bottled water here. Your Father knows you have need of these things. I got out my, I have a book, a thick book about this thick. It's called A Concordance. In that concordance is listed every word in the Bible alphabetically and where it is found. I looked up the word Father. It's about five pages. I mean, this is small print, three columns. Several thousand times the word Father is in the Bible. But I looked into the Gospels and into the times. How many times did Jesus use the word Father in reference to God in the Gospels? I I was expecting a dozen, maybe 15 times. I was astonished to learn that Jesus refers to God as his Father one. 170 times in the Gospels. I was also surprised 43 times in the upper room discourse. You know, when Jesus gathers his disciples for the Passover and the institution of the communion service, 43 times he looks up and refers to God as Father. 18 times in the Sermon on the Mount. And you know, the word that Jesus always wanted to impress upon our hearts is that word Father. That God is our Father. A loving and caring Father. And in John, by the way, in John 17, now that is what we refer to as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And at the end of that prayer, Jesus makes this statement. He says, I have made your name known unto them. What name was he talking about? Father. I have made you known as Father. You know, while Jesus lived here on this earth, that word Father was always on his lips. He lived his life in the presence of the Father. And now he comes to the cross, and what do we see? The words most common on our Lord's lips at the cross are the word Father. Notice the very first statement Jesus makes from the cross is, Father, Forgive them. And the last statement Jesus makes from the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, if there's one thing that we learn about Jesus and his death. Is that our loved ones, when they died, they died in the presence of the Father. There have been a few times... When I have been with a family and there has been an exceptional amount of grief because as they said, he died alone. 
She died alone. We weren't at the hospital. It was late at night and we had gone home and unexpectedly they died and no one was there. They died alone. They died alone at home. I remember on one occasion, a dear wife was so grieving. She said, she said I had gone to the store and when I came back, he was slumped over in his chair. He was gone. He died alone. And I remind him every time, no, he didn't. No, she didn't. When we die, we die in the Father's presence. And when you begin to get a grasp of this, let me tell you, you will never look at death the same. No matter where we die, no matter when, no matter how our loved ones died. They died, we always die in the presence of the Father. You know, when Jesus was walking through that door into death, so to speak, he was walking in the Father's presence. Now let's look at the second thing I want to make. Second of all, not only did Jesus die in the Father's presence, he dies in the Father's providence. You know, notice the word commit. Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus is in control here. Did you notice that? Let me, let me bring another verse of scripture into this. Listen to what Jesus said a little earlier. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. And I have the authority to take it up again. Jesus is in control. What he is saying is, I will die on my schedule. I will die on my timetable. Death has no authority over me. Man has no authority over me. Let me tell you something about Jesus' death. Jesus did not die prematurely. His life was not cut short. His life was not snuffed out. He was not killed tragically or murdered on the cross. He laid down his life willingly. And he did so in the providence of the Father. He is in complete control. Notice something. I want you to notice in verse number 46. Jesus called out in a loud voice. Don't miss that. Jesus is not clinging to life. His body isn't shutting down. He isn't gasping for breath. His heart is strong. His lungs are robust. His strength is steadfast. And he is able to shout with us with all the strength of you and I. It, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What this tells me is Jesus dies on his own time. And he chooses this to be the moment when he says, I am yielding up my spirit. Why this moment? You know, here's the only thing that to me makes a little bit of sense. At three o'clock prior to Passover, on the Temple Mount, they are sacrificing Passover lambs. And here is Jesus on the cross offering himself up as the Lamb of God. Isn't it ironic though that the religious people, the priests and the religious people, they do not realize that while they're sacrificing lambs and animals on the Temple Mount, the real Lamb of God is being offered up on the cross. 
He is in control. Now, I like, now look, Luke says then that he, that when he had said this, he breathed his last. Matthew and John give us a little more insight into this. Here's what they record. He gave up his spirit. They both say that. He gave up his spirit. Jesus dismisses his spirit. He yields it up. Life is not taken from him. He voluntarily surrenders it. His death is not by some accident. It is by providence. In the providence of the Father. He's in complete control. Just as he was in control when he was in the boat, in the storm, the disciples were fearing for their life. Jesus calms the storm. He's in control. And the time when the people of Nazareth, they tried to take him out to a cliff and throw him over, Jesus walks through. He's in control. And he's in control here. And just as sure as Jesus dies in the providence of the Father, our loved ones die in the providence of the Father. They did not die in the providence of cancer. They did not die in the providence of Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. They did not die in the providence of a stroke or an aneurysm. And they certainly won't die in the providence of a virus. They died in the providence of the Father. Not a minute before and not a minute later. And the same is true for us. When we pass, it will be because we will pass in the providence of the Father. And we can trust his judgment in this. I find it comforting to know that I will die at the Lord's time. Not a minute sooner and not a minute later. And I will arrive in heaven at the appointed time. You know, sometimes... Sometimes we think of the, those who've gone on ahead of us as the dearly departed. Have you ever heard that term, the dearly departed? My friend, they are the dearly arrived. They arrived right on schedule. Not a minute before, not a minute later. And by the way, you know, Jesus dies at the age of 33. Which also reminds us that even though the, that even the young Die in the providence of the Father. So first of all, our loved ones died in the Father's presence. Jesus is right there, Father. They died in the providence of the Father. Just as he had control of his own death, he controls ours. One more thing. Jesus dies in the Father's protection. Number three. Jesus dies in the Father's protection. Notice Jesus says, Father, into your hands. He's entrusting himself into the hands of the Father. Boy, there's a world of meaning wrapped up in this. You know, in the days preceding the crucifixion, listen to some of the things Jesus said. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of wicked men. And then when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane and this mob is coming to arrest Jesus, listen to what he says then to the disciples. He said, look, he says, the hour is here. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. 
And when the soldiers lay hold of Jesus, the gospel writers say that they came and laid hands on him. And Peter, in his sermon on Pentecost, he says, with wicked hands, you crucified him. Wicked hands scourged Jesus. Wicked hands crowned thorns on Jesus. Wicked hands pulled out his beard. Wicked hands pulled him from Pilate to Herod and back to Pilate. Wicked hands nailed him to the cross. But Jesus has the last word. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. From the hands of sinners and wicked men into the hands of a loving father. You know, when our loved ones passed away, they left cancer and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and they left all that behind and were welcomed into the hands of the father. Listen to what Jesus says. He puts it this way. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hands. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hands because I and my father are one. Think of that. Not only are we in the Lord's hand, not only is he holding us, but the Father in his hands are holding us as well. Because the two hands, the, fi- the hand of the Father, the hand of the Son, are in harmony. And they're holding tightly to us. You know, and when we, when we grasp this, we will never look at death the same. I think David knew. David, you know, King David, I think he got it. And when he writes that 23rd Psalm, Listen to this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. We could translate it this way. Yea, though I walk through the door of death, I will fear no evil. No harm can come on us. No harm. And this is what it's like for a believer. Our loved ones. This is what it was like for them to pass on. We simply pass on in the presence of the Father, in the providence of the Father, And in the protection of the Father. So here's what I want us to take home today. Our take home truth. Believers, as believers, we walk with Jesus through death's door into the Father's, in the Father's presence, the Father's providence, and the Father's protection. Notice how verse 46 ends. And when he has said this, he breathed his last. Christ has forgiven his enemies. Led another soul to Christ, to salvation. Provided for his mother. He has borne the sins, my sins, your sins. Providing the way of salvation. He has suffered our torment and punishment. Come through the other side claiming it is finished. And now, he releases his spirit. 
from the hands of wicked men into the hands of the Father. And as he died in the presence of the Father, the providence of the Father, and in the protection of the Father, so do we. But you know, if you're not a believer in Christ, if you've never come to faith in him, death will not be exactly like that. And I encourage you to put your trust in Christ today. And you can know and have the peace, the peace of knowing that death is not an enemy at all. The Father is there and he will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we are come today and we give thanks for these comforting and, more, and very reassuring words that whether in life or death, you are always with us and you will walk with us through life and through that door. And Father, if there's someone here today who's never come to faith in Christ, I, I pray that today, as they look at their own mortality, the frailty of life, that they too will realize, I need Jesus. May they put their trust in him today. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.